2: Yama, Welcome to NITV Radio this Monday, November 21. Coming up in your program today, we'll explore, come together, a new children's book by Isaiah Firebrace. The book outlines the most important aspects of First Nations cultures and history every Australian kid should know. And as you'll hear as our firebrace hopes this book can be used to educate and inspire all Australians to connect with our shared history and learn about the oldest living culture in the world. On NITV radio, we also turn our attention to an Australian first, with newly graduated Indigenous audiometrists working to end the shameful crisis of hearing loss among Aboriginal children. NITV Radio, we also look back at the COP27 Climate Summit as it wraps up its proceedings. All this and many more coming to you on NITV Radio after the latest news. Bertrand Tungandame Gaya. I am Bertrand Tungandame. Australia Day 1972
0: saw the first Aboriginal Embassy erected outside
3: Parliament The Parliament. native title legislation
0: must be... And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry.
2: In this bulletin, a Victorian Labour candidate's Aboriginal heritage is now being questioned. The government pushes to get its industrial relations reforms passed despite opposition from key Senate crossbenchers. And the buy-now-pay-later sector faces a potential overhaul. A relative of a Victorian Labour candidate who has described herself as a First Nations woman has said their family has no Indigenous ancestry and has never identified as Aboriginal. Lorena O'Dwyer described herself as, as a proud Yota woman and is contesting the seat of Richmond in the state election later this week. The ABC understands Miss O'Dwyer said her Indigenous heritage stems from her great grandfather, Graham Berry. However, Mr. Berry's daughter, Joanne Keel, has told the ABC her father never identified as Indigenous and had no connection to Yotayota country. Yotayota community, Semi Zodwya, has failed to engage with Yotayota Aboriginal Corporation and the Elders Council. Independent Senator Jackie Lambie has called on the government to split its multi-employer bargaining bill to deal with some of the changes after Christmas. The Albanese government is pushing for its industrial relations reforms which would look to increase wages to be passed during the last fortnight of parliament. But the Tasmanian senator has told the Nine Network she fears the bill is being rushed.
4: Seriously, um, these are laws that are going to affect um, small business to medium-sized businesses and we've got a problem with that, um, so we need to be discussing that and I just don't see you getting through that mm-hmm. through by Christmas. Once again, I would suggest that you have a look at splitting the bill and we come back to the other 10 or 15% of it after Christmas, as simple as that. It is not going to make a goddamn difference to, the, to um, rising uh, wages, that is for sure.
2: The government is relying on cross support to get the bill through the Senate, but has considered extra sitting days may be necessary. Treasurer Jim Chalmers has told the Nine Network this is the Parliament's chance to get wages growing again.
5: We
4: need to fix the bargaining system in order to do that, and so we're having a heap of conversations with the business community, the union movement, the crossbench and others uh, with an interest here uh, to try and pass it before uh, the parliament rises for Christmas.
2: The federal government is looking to overhaul buy-now-pay-later services as it cracks down on financial abuse. An estimated 7 million Australians use services such as Afterpay to pay for goods with no interest. A Treasury paper has highlighted the need for the government to protect consumers from getting into debt and suggests credit checks for users at a minimum. Financial Service Minister Stephen Jones has told Channel 7 it is important to establish whether these services are affordable to a consumer.
3: We want to ensure that where these products are being offered, they're being offered safely to consumers and people aren't getting themselves into hot water. These aren't home loans, and that's a, an important no. distinction to make. These are generally small amounts of credit in the one and $200 level. so we want to ensure that if we are moving to regulate, it's appropriate to the level of risk
2: involved. Residents across New South Wales are being warned to prepare for severe weather as an already flooded town is issued with an evacuation order. The state emergency service is warning people in Deniolquin in the southwest of the state to leave their homes by Wednesday, November 23. Damaging winds up to 90 kilometres per hour are also expected for much of the state today national party candidate running in the, in the Victorian state election has died five days out from polling day. In a statement, the party has confirmed Sean Gilchrist, the candidate for Narrakhan in the state's east, died unexpectedly. It has also offered its deepest sympathies to Gilchrist's family and friends. Australia's most Australia's major coal exporters have been accused of falsely claiming that their coal is cleaner than it is to improve profits and to prevent blocking of shipments. Independent MP Andrew Wilkie says he has been provided with thousands of documents by a whistleblower revealing that companies have been lying about the quality of their coal for years. It includes exports to Japan, South Korea, China and India. Mr Wilkie has taught Parliament he is shocked by the alleged misconduct revealed by an executive from the coal industry.
3: The fraud is environmental vandalism and makes all the talk of net zero emissions by 2050 a fiction. It could also be criminal, trashing corporate reputations as well as our national reputation. In essence, Speaker, coal companies operating in Australia are using fraudulent quality reports for their exports and paying bribes to representatives of their overseas customers to keep the whole scam
2: secret. The United Nations Nuclear Agency has condemned a series of shellings at Ukraine's Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. Ukraine's nuclear state operator has claimed that Russian forces fired at the power plant a dozen times. Russia has denied the shelling, claiming that Ukraine was to blame for the blasts at the Russian occupied facility. International Atomic Energy Agency's Director General Raphael Grossi has accused the attackers of playing with fire, calling for urgent measures to prevent a nuclear accident. And only dialogue and diplomacy can end the war in Ukraine, not victory on the battlefield. That's a warning message by members of a group of prominent former world leaders founded by Nelson Mandela. The group known as the Elders delivered that message to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, telling him on a visit to Kiev that he must start considering a way out of the conflict. In order, here is former Irish President Mary Robinson, former President of Mexico Ernesto Zedillo and former UMA- UN Human Rights Commissioner Zed Rad al-Hussein.
3: Every war
6: has to end. Uh, We need to encourage more thinking about how it will end in order to get the idea that um, this needs to end, as opposed to increasing the military arsenal on both sides and the devastation
2: um, to the population in Ukraine. By using a wonderful instrument that uh, humanity has invented, that is diplomacy and politics.
0: There is a, a way in international diplomacy in which you can give both sides something.
2: And to sport, the Socceroos will use Martin Boyle's inj- injury devastation as inspiration as they prepare to take on France on Wednesday morning. Boyle has been ruled out of the World Cup after injuring his knee while playing for his club side, Hybenian, in Scotland last month. Melbourne City's Marco Tilio will take his place in the squad. Winger Matthew Leakey says the team will play for Boyle.
0: He obviously gave everything he could to try to get himself fit, and he wanted to give it a real crack, and it was just not meant to be. So he's obviously disappointed, but he's also a very lively and um, you know happy guy. So what I understand is he'll stay around the camp for the campaign, which is which is good because he deserves it, and uh, he's a good guy to, to have around the the group as well. So. Um, yeah, very happy for him that he can stay and, uh, you know, experience it all.
2: Midfielder Aydin Hrusic has also been ruled out of Australia's opening match of the tournament with a ninja ankle. And now having a look at the weather around the country. Broome partly cloudy thirty two, Perth, sunny twenty nine, Adelaide a shower of two seventeen, Melbourne, windy and showers fifteen, Hobart showers thirteen, Albury wodonga mostly cloudy fourteen, Canberra, shower of two thirteen, Wollongong mostly sunny twenty, Sydney, sunny twenty four, Newcastle also sunny and windy twenty seven, Brisbane, sunny thirty five, Townsville mostly cloudy thirty two, Cairns sunny thirty four, Alice Partly cloudy 26, down in a shower of 234, and the Twice Strait Islands, light rain and a top of 32 degrees. And that is NITV radio news. He obviously gave everything he could to try to get Trump.
7: sbs.com.au
2: slash NITV radio Coming up next in your program, well we stay with uh, your total man Isaiah Firebrace as he has added the author to his list of titles publishing his first children's book, Come Together NITV radio's Emma Kellaway caught up with Isaiah Firebrace to learn more about uh, this new book in the program, we also look at an Australian first with newly graduated Indigenous audiometrists working, who are working to end the shameful crisis of hearing loss among Aboriginal children. We also look back at the COP27 Climate Summit as it, wraps, it it wraps up its proceedings.
1: NITV Radio, share our
7: stories on Facebook. Isaiah, welcome to NITV Radio.
2: It's
0: really good to be here, so thank you so much for having me.
7: And thank you for joining us. And also, congratulations on adding author to your list of accolades. It's your first book. It's a children's book, and it's out now in all stores. Can you tell me a bit more about where this whole journey started?
0: Yeah, so this is a project that I've been working on for probably about a year. And, you know, it's something that I've, I have have always been passionate about, you know, is, is education and youth and you know and kids so doing something like this has been such a dream come true and you know it's it's something that I wish that I would have had in my own schooling journey when I was a young kid as well so I'm I'm kind of like filling in a bit of a personal gap that I feel like that I that I didn't have when I was growing up so yeah this book is all about First Nations history and culture and yeah, 20 things that I feel like every other kid should know uh, and learn about the First Nations people.
7: It's definitely a very important part of the education for all Australians. Can you tell me a bit more about what those 20 topics are and why you chose those?
0: Yes. Um, when I was writing the book, you know, we, we listed so many. We listed probably about maybe... 50 to 70 different topics that I, w- I was thinking of, including in the book. And, you know, we went back and forth with choosing what ones that I thought would be necessary and and ones that I feel like, you know, your average Aussie kid may, probably ha- has heard about um, in their life. And I just wanted to elaborate on those, on those topics, you know, things like acknowledgements of country and a welcome to country and the differences between those you know, colours of the Torres Strait Islander flag and the Aboriginal flag, Um, elders, uh, seasons, music, art, dance, songlines. So they're very... um, I I think there's a lot of general topics in there, but there's also some that I personally uh, feel like that I really connect to as well. And, um, yeah, I think I've just given people a, a bit more of an understanding about those things because you know you you hear about a lot of things like an elders and maybe what people out there are confused or kids out there are confused. Why do we call elders uncle or auntie or what's that all about? So I've really dived in and kept it really accessible for children to understand. And it's a great read. And um but like I said, even though this is like a children's book, I feel like even adults can pick this up and and learn and learn something from it. So the topics i've included in this is are ones that i really think people are going to get a lot from and and yeah and know a bit more about because i know in schools and things you know you, you probably hear a lot about the culture and and certain terms and and certain topics about aboriginal culture and history but there's not a direct just kind of factual explanation about what that those actually mean and with this book I've done that in a way that I think children will really enjoy and really understand in a in a childlike way but also keeping it true and respectful as well
7: and what are some of those topics that you feel more of a personal connection to that you felt was really important to include in the book
0: well writing this book in in each in each section of the book like I really tried to include i feel like all honestly i feel like all the topics are the ones that i've chosen that i really have a personal connection to because if you read the book each topic i've included my own personal flair to it and what what it actually means to me um obviously music and and art is probably one of the most personal ones obviously being a singer um and explaining how music and singing um are uh, huge parts of, of the culture and passing down knowledge and and stories. Um I really loved writing the the elders um page as well because I got to include, you know, an elder, aunt, Auntie Louis, Auntie Lois uh, Peeler from the original Sapphire's in there who is a really big um role model and inspiration for me. Um things like song lines as well was something that I really enjoyed uh, learning more about song song lines um, dreaming stories um, also including uh, in the totems section about where I'm from and my and my country and and the totems that you know that, that are special to me and significant to me as well um, yeah th- throughout the book I've, I've added my own you know personal um, vibe and my own personal, uh, experiences that I've had um, in my own life I just I really wanted to keep this book authentic to me and not just make it like a fact like a one oh one kind of book I really wanted to keep my um, personal experiences and and how I feel about things um, present throughout the book so I think when you read it you can really feel that
7: I think you're dead on you can really see that when you read through the pages. And now to the front page, the title page, Come Together. Such a strong name for the book. What inspired that name?
0: Come Together, I think my main purpose for this book was was to bring people together, was to bring uh, Australia together, um, was to try and find, um, you know, a, a... kind of meet halfway kind of thing. And I'm trying to think like what I, I really overthought the title of the book for a while because, you know, it's the title. It, it pretty much says what the book is about. And it was as simple as calling it come together because that's what I want people to do is come together, is to read this book, is to have a better understanding, to come together and, and celebrate. I think celebrate is probably the best word for this book because I want people to really be proud and, and have a newfound respect and understanding for First Nations people and culture. And and if I'm starting, you know, I think I think children are, you know, they're the next generation. They're they're the keys to our, our world in the future. So if we start with our kids and and teaching them, you know, they're gonna grow up with with understandings and with knowledge. And you know, that was the rule Whole motivator behind behind the book and and yeah, like come together. It says it all. I, I, I really want this book to bring people together to celebrate that.
7: And you mentioned earlier, this whole journey really started out of you wanting to see more of our history and culture taught in schools. Why is that so important to you?
0: I think as a as a First Nations person, I think it kind of goes without kind of saying. I mean, it is a massive part of who I am and my identity and, and me for one, like I'm super proud of, of my heritage and who I am. And I think Australia needs to no pun intended, but come together and celebrate this amazing culture that, that we have here in Australia. And um, yeah, it's just a huge passion of mine to be an advocate and someone that's, that sharing and getting people on board with who we are as people and and celebrating that and, in turn, hopefully, you know, garnering more respect also towards First Nations people and, and our history and beautiful culture.
7: You said this is something you wish you'd had when you were at school and I mean I can say from my experience as well I wish it was something I had in my school. What do you think it means for the young mob of today to see and experience their culture and history being taught in school?
0: Well I really hope that that it encourages and inspires um, First Nations mob you know around Australia I think to have the representation um, in book form, uh, is, is really big, I think, because it's something that I, I didn't have growing up, um, you know, a a great children's book where where I could pick up and feel connected to. Um, so yeah, I really think that this is going to be great, not only for First Nations mob. Um, I feel like anyone that picks this book up, teachers, students, parents, uncles, aunties, I feel like there is something to learn, um, in this book. And yeah, I really hope that people can walk away with, you know, a bit more understanding and feeling a bit more connected.
7: Now, this is the first book that you've written, but you have written all of these deadly songs that we know and love. What was it like taking that creative writing skill from song and applying it to books? Was it challenging?
0: Yes, for sure. Like like you said, this being my first book, it was like a whole new experience. Um Yeah, like everything from just the whole process of like fleshing out ideas, even about what I even wanted to start the book and what I wanted to even talk about. um, From that to fleshing out all the ideas uh, for each page, how I wanted the book to look, the illustrations, um, writing the book as well. You know, there was a lot of back and forth and a lot of editing because we really needed to make it you know, accessible for children and and easy to understand and and have a certain flow uh, to the sentences and the paragraphs. So it was a really big learning experience just as an author. And, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I I learned so much about, you know, just like the book industry and and writing for children. And at, at times it was tricky for sure because, you know, I just thought, oh, awesome like bob's your uncle children's book easy like i just write a few pages all all good but it it was a very intricate process um and there were you know some late nights and things of where i was editing and going through hundreds and hundreds of notes made by my editor and yeah like i I wouldn't say it was hard but it it was challenging but definitely like a huge learning experience and yeah i can't believe that now I can, like, officially say that I'm an author because, yeah, like it's something that I've always had a big dream about. And, yeah, to have it have it out now, I think it's it's really special.
7: And can you tell me a bit more about the illustrations? I mean, the book is such a bright and beautiful read. What was the vision behind that?
0: Yeah, so the illustrations are by Jalen, by Wai, Um and this is her second book that she has illustrated illustrated and you know i kind of didn't want i kind of didn't want the book to be too too, um like disney-like or maybe too cartoonish i wanted to have some realism uh with the illustrations and Jalen has done an amazing job everything like from the font like she created this font um everything uh illustrative about this book is all original and yeah i think it's it just really helps the message um, of each topic, and it really uh, subtly, like, just helps support you know each topic. Nothing's too ov- overly done. Um, yeah, I-, I just really wanted it to be like so easy to understand, um, and for it to come from the heart. And I think Jalen's done like an incredible job.
7: Now that the hard part's done, and I can see you've got a hard copy in your hand and a few sitting behind you. What's next for you? Is there anything else in the works that we need to know about or are you just sort of sitting in this moment and really taking it in?
0: It still is crazy to me that I'm, like, holding it and I'm doing all of these interviews and things about it because for a while, like, it didn't really seem real because, you know, it was just me on, on a computer and going through notes and making edits and things. And when I, when I first got sent the first sample, which didn't look anything like this, even then I was like so excited because I was like, oh, wow, this is all becoming so real. And then when I actually got sent the real hard copy, I was like, wow, this is this is crazy. And then, you know, to also be um, considered as, a, as an author as well is like a dream come true for me as well. Um, but, you know, I'm going to keep promoting this. It comes out today um yeah like if I can get this even in schools that would be a huge um tick as well because I really want I really hope this book can somehow be in in schools or or be like a staple book that people have um but yeah moving forward I've got a lot of interviews and things to do for this book and a lot of um promotion around it which I'm really excited about and also I've got uh a new song actually also coming out tomorrow which is in celebration of all the holiday seasons right now and I love Christmas and I love the holiday period so it's going to be a Christmas song which I'm really excited about and you know performances and things towards the end end of the year but this has been like a huge highlight of not only this year but my whole career so far and I really hope this is the start of many books to come.
7: I have heard this tune and I am so eager to play it. I think it's going to replace Mariah Carey this year uh, on the top list of Christmas songs. So thank you so much for that. Is there anything else that you want our listeners to know or any parting messages you have?
0: Go get your copy. It's a good (laughs) Christmas. If you're thinking of last minute Christmas gifts, think of this book. Um, Yeah, I just really hope that, like I said the people that pick this book up can feel inspired feel connected uh, have a better understanding and be proud
7: on that note the book is available in all good bookstores across Australia in store and online and for my mob back in Darwin you can find it in big W as well uh, Isaiah congrats on the book I can't wait to get my hands on one of those hard copies thank you so much for joining us on NITV radio
0: thank you so much for having me
7: Join the conversation on radio, online, and mobile. You're with NITV Radio.
2: In an Australian fast, newly graduated Indigenous audiometrists are working to end the shameful crisis of hearing loss among Aboriginal children. Natalie Amash reports.
4: After put the headphones on your ears, you're going to hear some beeping noise. Okay.
6: 11-year-old Matea Wiggins is an Indigenous school student, getting her hearing checked in Sydney by an Aboriginal audiometrist.
5: I tested speech with um, saying words that I heard from the headphones and also listening to sounds and pressing a button when I could hear them. There were very different sounds and there was lots of them.
6: However, Matea is not at an ordinary clinic. Her audiometrist Eileen Byers is a Bundjalung woman from northern New South Wales and a recent graduate of an Indigenous hearing project at Sydney's Macquarie University. So now I am qualified to do hearing tests, which is really good. It is a really big step, you know, to be able to come out of your comfort zone and to be able to do something like this and to do something for your your community. The 37-year-old Aboriginal health practitioner lives in northern New South Wales and graduated with a Diploma of Audiometry this month as one of 15 students. Ms Byers is now back home, working to end a devastating problem. There's a fair few children that would have hearing loss in the Northern Rivers. To be able to go out to the school and do some hearing tests on children out there it was really, really good. And hearing loss is not just impacting children in New South Wales. It's widespread, according to Matea's mum, Cara Cross a research fellow with the Aboriginal Children's Hearing Health Project
1: run by Macquarie University. It's absolutely shameful. We've got the worst rate of preventable hearing loss amongst our Aboriginal kids in the world. So it is a crisis and the World Health Organisation has identified it as such.
6: Hearing loss in children may be as high as 90% in some remote communities, often caused by common middle ear infections. Left untreated, Miss Cross says infections can have long-term impacts.
1: If a child can't hear their family and their uh, kin talking, then they're not going to be able to pick up their speech correctly, so that will flow into a disability. This can lead to speech issues, literacy issues, which can flow into a lack of being able to find suitable employment. So it can actually flow on into their adult life and cause quite significant issues. Miss Cross says lack of access to medical care is just one reason at-risk children often miss out on treatment. There can be a lot of fear for Aboriginal mothers, particularly in identifying that their children are having health problems, given the issues of the past where children would be taken away. If we've got a history in our families, as I do, that children were taken away, then the idea of going to a doctor and identifying that your child may be having an issue can be quite scary. There's still that layer of anxiety that comes with that. So knowing that you're going into a place that's culturally safe uh, allows you to relax and get your child treated without having the fears in the back of your mind. It's hoped that the newly graduated
6: Indigenous audiometrists will help to lift testing levels, leading to earlier treatment and better outcomes. According to Catherine McMahon, Professor of Audiology, at Macquarie University.
3: If we're able to detect a problem early then we can mitigate all the long-term effects that middle ear disease and hearing loss can have in kids. For Aboriginal people, particularly Aboriginal children, there's an incredibly high prevalence of uh, middle ear disease and of hearing loss and so this project aims to address that. Game-based hearing tests are another approach according to Carolyn Mee
6: who developed Sound Scouts, a free online hearing test for children. The
4: children play three game-based activities so they have to listen for the sounds either swipe the objects that they hear or tap on a red button when they hear a specific sound. We've seen great results from the testing in schools in terms of picking up children with hearing loss so we've seen children with permanent hearing issues detected. Sound Scouts
6: is available in English and Spanish. And Miss Me says, soon also, in
4: Mandarin and Arabic. So we use actually language to assess hearing and we also use a mid-frequency tone. So it's a combination of both language and tone testing that gives the overall result.
6: While most Australian states have no mandatory school hearing tests, Miss Me
4: hopes that will soon change. People don't realise that if children can't hear they can't learn, although if they can't or struggle to hear, they'll struggle to learn. So it's really important to identify hearing issues. What we'd like to see happen with Sound Scouts is for it to be used as a screening of children at school entry across the nation.
6: A recent Melbourne University study found that up to 10% of all Australian primary school-aged children suffer from some undetected hearing loss. And Professor
3: McMahon says certain communities are at higher risk. Disadvantaged children and families, like those who are refugees or migrant backgrounds, um, they are the most vulnerable to middle ear disease and hearing loss. There's two types of middle ear disease. One where where there's pain, real ear pain, and it's really obvious, um, or there's dripping ears. But the other one is really subtle, and it's where the middle ears get blocked up by thick gum or thick gooey fluid and it doesn't, there's no pain. So parents don't know that there's a problem necessarily. I think it's really important that we should have targeted screening programs in schools where kids might be vulnerable to middle ear disease and hearing loss. Professor McMahon hopes that new approaches developed in Australia may soon improve hearing outcomes offshore too. We'd like to see it in First Nations communities, whether it might be Canada or the US or New Zealand. This is a really important solution that will drive a change. 11-year-old Matea Wiggins hopes so too.
5: It is really sad to see so many kids that have hearing loss caused by not being able to get their hearing tested or... Not being able to get it medically treated. And I really hope that's something that we can fix.
6: Natalie Armash, SVS News.
7: Join NITV Radio on Facebook.
2: Welcome back. Now, the COP27 Climate Summit could be extended yet again as attending nations reopen discussions on the key issue of a loss and damage fund. But concerns are being raised that even if a unanimous decision is made, without the backing of farmer climate targets, they could risk funding the consequences of climate change while failing to address the consequences of rising emissions. Hannah Kwon reports.
5: As the clock struck midnight in the Egyptian resort town of Sharm el-Sheikh, world leaders at the COP27 climate summit were still debating. Talks were due to end over a day ago, but now some Western states have reopened the discussion on loss and damage. It's been one of the most contentious issues of this COP27 climate summit and the first time it's been on the official agenda. Leaders have been unable to unanimously agree on the particulars of a deal to establish a loss and damage fund. Namely, whether richer nations should provide funding to poorer nations impacted by climate change. The COP27 President Sameh Shukri says a consensus must be reached. Uh,
0: The issue now rests with the will of the parties. It is the parties who must rise to the occasion
2: and take upon themselves the responsibility of finding the areas of convergence and moving forward.
5: And it's not the only issue causing friction. The European Union has warned it will walk away from climate negotiations if targets aren't ambitious enough. Some nations have agreed in principle to adopt the fund to help those poorer countries ravaged by global warming, but remain locked on how to reduce the greenhouse gas emissions driving them. The European Union's climate policy chief, Franz Timmermans, told reporters he is confident an appropriate deal can still be struck.
2: The European Union wants a positive result. But we don't want a result at every, any price. We will not accept a result if it takes us back. We need to move forward, not backwards. So you
4: walk away if no-
2: we need to move forward, not backwards. And uh, all ministers, as they have told me, like myself, are prepared to walk away if we do not have a result that does justice to what the world is waiting for, namely that we do something about this climate crisis.
5: Meanwhile, Chinese climate envoy Zhe Hua echoed the views of Saudi Arabia, saying the money shouldn't come from them, but rather developed countries.
2: I think that whether it is a climate fund, an adaptation fund, or even a loss and damage fund, if a fund is established, it should be the responsibility and obligation of developed countries to donate, and developing countries are voluntary. This is already clearly stipulated in the Paris Agreement. China has already been cooperating with other developing countries and providing some support through South-South Cooperation and Green Belt and Road.
5: China is technically classed as a developing nation under international agreements and has voluntarily offered climate aid to poorer nations in the past. German Climate Envoy Jennifer Morgan says implementing a loss and damage fund must be done in accordance with the Paris Agreement.
6: The European Union said we want to make sure that the most the, the vulnerable populations, the vulnerable countries around the world, they're the ones that are supported here through a loss and damage fund. That's what we're working on. Uh, that's that whole, whole uh, piece because we know that we have to keep 1.5 degree in sight in order to keep The losses and the damages in check.
5: The Paris Agreement is an international treaty on climate change adopted in 2015. Under the accord, countries agreed to keep temperature rise below 2 degrees Celsius and aim for 1.5 degrees Celsius. Scientists say any rise beyond that level would be potentially devastating. Colombia's Minister for Environment, Susanna Muhammad, says having the loss and damage fund without the combination of firmer climate targets would be pointless. We hope to have two things which will make this
4: a valuable uh, COP. One, this commitment to 1.5 with clear decisions and not backing uh, back. And second, that the loss and damage fund will be fundamental. But one without the other
5: doesn't make sense because otherwise we will be accepting catastrophe. Sweden's Minister for Climate Change and the Environment, Romina Paul-McTary, says the work on mitigation needs to be coherent with the work they've progressed to on loss and damage.
1: It is not acceptable that we will fund the consequences of climate change while not also committing to working on the actual consequences of of the, climate, of the emissions.
5: Many representatives of the smaller, more vulnerable nations that agreed to the deal have already left the conference. With negotiations still ongoing, it could be a long night ahead at COP27. Hannah Kwon, SBS News.
7: NITV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or any online.
2: That's all for n tv Radio today. Bertrand Tungendame here. I am Bertrand Tungendame, thanking you for tuning into our program today. Till next time, bye for now. Yalu.